After a long break, football neophytes are back. In this episode, we are going to talk about Chelsea West Brom. It provided everything that this pod loves. The Wolves' unfortunate season continues. United doing what it needs to do. Fulham isn't. Kyle's going to feature Everton, Crystal Palace, and he's going to drop two teams. We're going to talk about some of the alternative kits we saw this weekend. We're going to end on the ever uplifting topic of racism. Guys, I nailed the intro first try. It's been a while. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. As I'm looking at our show notes and I see the numbers next to everything and I was hoping for like a Brian McKnight count, you know, for one, it's like Chelsea and West Brom. <laughs> but, uh, you know. That's sorry. all you got? That Well, nobody wants to hear me sing. That's a mm. fact. This is, this is not a singing podcast. Kyle, you sang a little bit, right? Back in the day. Is that true? Oh, yeah. You're yeah, in choir? Of I can carry a tune. Yeah, I think I remember that. I've never seen it, but I've heard I've heard that there's some like high school Kyle out there. There's lots of footage of me that um, I don't necessarily want to be resurrected, but you know, that's that's for another podcast as well. That's for another one. I think the statute of limitations has passed on most of it. So <laughs> they've never passed. They've never passed. I often think I, I lived a quite crazy uh, high school life. And I've said either if, if social media would have existed, YouTube, let's say would have existed when I was in high school, I would either be a in jail or b like a multi-million dollar, dollar YouTube star <laughs> influencer. Yeah. yeah. Influencer. There was no in between. I will say one of the great tragedies in life concerning you, Nate, is that your appearance on MTV Say What Karaoke is nowhere to be found on the internet. And it kills me a yeah. little bit every time I search for it. That that does not exist. I think I have I think I have a copy on VHS, actually. <laughs> so just bust it out for the for the kids every now and again. That was definitely the highlight of my 19th year alive. For sure. That was a fun summer. That was a fun summer. But that also is for another podcast. Yes, it is. Um, guys, Chelsea West Brom. Here's Ooh. let's just be let's just be honest. I I did not wake up at four in the morning to watch that match. I um I I wasn't sleeping well, I think, and I kind of I kind of woke up and check the score at halftime. I saw it was like crazy. West Brom was, was leading by a lot of goals. And then obviously I had to watch the highlights later, but here's the thing about that match. That match is the epitome of the football neophytes podcast. Mm. Because first we had a Christian Pulisic goal. Two, we had a red card. 
two yellows. Two yellows, actually, but still, there was a red card. It was like two yellows within like five minutes of each other, too. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And then we had seven goals. Seven goals. It is it's everything that it's everything that we love. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, there's, the, there's a fourth. What? Because the fourth thing that this podcast loves is Chelsea losing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> But not to West Brom. I, I would rather have Chelsea beat West Brom. So um, that, but I, I mean, really there, I mean, there are some things we can talk about the match a little bit briefly. The, obviously the most shocking thing is Tuchel's Chelsea club going into that match had allowed two goals in his reign, 11 games or something like that. <clears throat> One own goal and then another goal. And then they allow five. It's it's crazy. I, do you think it was a reaction to the horrible leaked kits that the guys were like, they, they, we saw the kits, zigzags, squares, checkerboard, all combined into one that they just were like, we can't we can't take it. They couldn't shake those kits out of their mind, and they just imploded. I think it was the opposite. I think that they were just like how can we even play if we're not wearing these amazing kits and the rags that we have on just won't do. Well, whatever is pretty, pretty miserable uh, performance by them. Uh, it did have what I would say was one of the best assists of the week. John stone, the goal goalkeeper uh, fires it the length of the pitch uh, I think this is the equalizer. So I think as this is West Brom's first goal, Pereira just with a beautiful touch on the long, the long uh, goal kick controls it and then just dinks it over the top of um, the keeper Mendy, I think who is just out of, out of position, dinks it right over the top of him. So um, can I give what I think the response to Chelsea is? <laughs> yes. It's not necessarily Tuchel taking over. Um, I think, and I've been saying it for a while, it was their competition during that run. Uh, they played Burnley, Tottenham, who was struggling, Sheffield United, Newcastle, Liverpool, who is on the struggle bus, uh, United, who doesn't score against top six, Leeds, they had a pretty soft. Those are high. No, I don't. I don't buy that, Chris. Those are no, no. I'm going to interrupt you because those are high scoring. Leeds, Manchester United are a couple of the most high scoring clubs in the league. I don't buy that. I think actually Tuchel's system, whatever he did, this game notwithstanding, he's done something there that solidified that defense. I don't think that run of games is that tough or is that uh, weak. Really? No. Not, not from a defensive standpoint. I mean, I think, yes, of course, but you still got Liverpool. You still have Manchester United. Like, okay, four of those games are against the bottom five teams. And that's you're fine. That that's not tough. But they still had 11 games. They had, they had Champions League matches that were thrown in there. That's, this is all, all competitions. Like, yeah. Sorry, I didn't count the game against Barnsley as their hard competition or Atletico Madrid. Well, you should count Atletico Madrid. He's one of the best teams in the world. You're like, 
<laughs> like I said it since he started. That is a it's a soft schedule that they've been running through. They haven't been playing great, but they've been playing good deep. Any team goes 11 in a row or however many games matches in a row it was and only gives up two goals. That's, that's impressive. So can't take that away. I don't care who you're playing, but we started with Chelsea because that match epitomized everything that this podcast loves. Another match that I would argue also was full of excitement was wolves and West Brom today. Um, very entertaining match right when the, the so there's a couple things that happened before the match uh wolves announced three injuries three of their starters injured uh the worst one being johnny johnny Otto. he had just returned from an acl injury it felt like they'd been managing his his minutes well i don't think he'd played a full 90 since he'd been back he's been back for a couple months now and in training yesterday he injured his ACL and MCL and I don't know that to come back from it once is one thing to play at the top at the top level. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous that he's not even going to be able to, to come back from this, from this injury. And then Willie Bolly had co- contacted COVID during the international break. So he was out and then Matinho, uh, I think had a hamstring injury playing for Portugal. And so three, three starters, two from the back line uh, were out. And then Nuno decided to roll out the four, two, three, one, which I'm happy. I want him to keep rolling that out because we're not going to finish higher than 10. We're most likely not going to get relegated. So um, I want him to, if he, if he's committed to that, to making the big switch, then I'm happy for him to do it. But to roll that out with two of your, your back four out was a little risky. So right when I saw it, I thought this is going to be a four, three, four, three match. Podence is back. Kyle's the, the Podence is the, is your little buddy, the antithesis of, of your, I love him of your strike little five, five, yes. six guy. Uh, he actually out jumped a defender and got a header that almost went in early in the match. But um, Wolves defense was just horrendous to start the match. Jesse Lingard ran all over the pitch, um, had a couple of great runs, great goal. Um, it was, it was abysmal. Wolves went down three nil. Um, then, then pulled one back with a Dendonker header, which I actually, I didn't predict it, but I definitely, uh, before the match said, when I saw that he was going to be playing in the midfield set, I'd love to see one, see him put one back in the net and he did. So Dendonker got a header. Um, and then early in the second half, uh, our little favorite wonderkind, uh, Fabio Silva put a great, great strike in kind of cross, cross the front of the goal went in. Uh, and then the rest of the match last 30 minutes was kind of what you would expect of a one, one goal match, pretty intense. Wolves had tons of chances, that they missed some of them in the first half Neto missed it. William, William Jose, who actually played pretty well in the first half. Uh, he had a couple opportunities that he didn't capitalize on Neto poked one, uh, when he had out, poked one out when he had an open <clears throat> goal. Um, West, 
West Ham had some other opportunities. I mean, the game could have been five, four, I mean, six, seven, it was that wide open of a match. It was super, super fun, super entertaining. And wolves just fell short again. It's super, it's disappointing, hard to watch. But again, I I've said this kind of from the beginning, the only is that I want to see Nuno stick with what he wants to move forward with, even if it means more losses than wins for us from here on out. And I'd love him, love to see him play some younger guys. Um, I think this club's going to get some shakeup over the off season over the summer. I think we'll see some guys go out and some new, new people come in, hopefully in that back line, especially if he's going to commit to the, this kind of back four format, we need some more solid defenders. So um, we'll see disappointing loss, but definitely, definitely entertaining. Chris, how about your guys? It, uh, it was your typical Manchester United match today or uh, this weekend. They played at home, so they didn't play very well. Uh, they were down early, giving up a goal 13 minutes in. Uh, they controlled most of the action. They controlled the ball for, you know, a very high percentage of the game. Uh, I think, it was, you know, their possession was right around 60%. And then uh, they got two goals kind of later. Rashford had a nice goal. And then in the 83rd minute, Mason Greenwood got the, the goal to win it. Um, you know, it was, it honestly was like a typical United performance. Things that you kind of just scratch your head at and go, man, this team could be better, but they keep winning or they keep taking points where they need to take points. So um, yeah, it was good. It was a little bit of a frustrating game, but it was fun. I'll tell you what makes watching football, soccer, maybe a little bit more enjoyable is watching it with my extended family. Cause we were at, we were at my sister's house for Easter. And uh, so I got there early to watch the game. And now my sister doesn't care about sports for the most part. She, she's a, she's a gymnastics coach. So all her kids are in gymnastics. Their son, he does play soccer, but he's super young. It's at the age where there's just a ton of kids on the field. They run around kickball. So watching the game with them was hilarious to just the commentary because one, they don't care who wins. So like West Brom's first goal, it was pretty cool. Like the guy came in, Henderson made a really nice save, but the ball went right back to the defense, right back to the offensive. You mean Brighton? Brighton's yeah. goal? Yeah. Did I say? You said West Brom. Oh, I'm sorry. Still thinking about those Callum Robinson goals. Um, yeah, West Brom, uh, Danny Welbeck, he uh, he gets in, kicks it. Henderson makes a really good save, but it goes right back to Welbeck, who heads it in. And they were like, oh, that was amazing. Did you see that? Oh. And then I was like, that goal sucked. They're like, no, dude, that was so cool. Did you see it? I was like, yeah, I saw it. And uh, It was, and though. Then- what I loved about that goal, though, it was a double header. Yeah, he heads it. He heads it in. Henderson saves it. It comes right back to him, and he heads it back in. That was. I don't know if I've seen that yet. Yeah, it was. It was. And this, like Henderson's save was really good on it on Very the first good. shot, but it just goes right back to him. Boom, heads it right back in. Um, so they were like going crazy with how cool that goal was. And then like we're just watching. They're like, "Why is he laying on the ground?" <laughs> well, that's that. That's what soccer players do. Is like, why is he holding his wrist? No one touched him. Or, you know, how come he's grabbing his ankle? He just, he just tripped over his own foot. And it's like, well, I mean, like, that's just what they do. So (laughs) 
it was highly entertaining. Adding my sister and her her children in on that was was fun. But uh, good weekend to be a United fan. You know, um, I, I I've had some realizations about like being a United fan that um, maybe I don't want to go into because Kyle hasn't eliminated them yet. Um, <laughs> but I will anyways, and I, and it's okay. And um, unite Manchester United Twitter is like the third gate of hell. Like, <laughs> it's awful. It really is awful. Like, I've done a pretty good job of just kind of living on an island and being a fan of, on my own and kind of forming my own opinions. But like, in making some friends with people online, I see a ton of United Twitter chatter now that I wasn't seeing before. And like, it's awful. Like, these, like, some of the United fans are like pissed and bitching like crazy when united wins like they won this weekend like be excited that your club won but they're like i would have rather lost blah 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 blah, blah. it's like I, like i don't get it so um it really matters like i i think i've gotten lucky in some ways and it's formative and who i chose but the group of of guys and women that i've followed that are a part of like the wolves crew that i follow are are a good group of dudes and I, and, and I've enjoy like their takes and they, yeah, they'll, they'll call things out if they see it as they should, if they're being honest, but they're not bitching and moaning all the time. Right. And we're in like pretty disappointing form this year, but sometimes I'll go down a rabbit trail where I see other wolves fans and I'm like, Oh, this is like every fan group has them right. No matter what, whatever sport you're following, whatever team you're following. And so, so that's even something I would say is like, just wh whoever you choose to follow, like find the right people because it can be pretty depressing, like to follow no, something. No like, and, and that's the thing that I found is like, you know, I've got a, a really cool group of people that I do follow and, and they're the positive ones you know they're you know yeah like katie i talked about her before she's been so fun to talk to and chat with um you know guys like on beak and connor and there's a girl amy everyone i follow is positive and they're always thinking forward thinking you know like sure there's things that you always feel like your team could do better um but it's when you go down those rabbit holes of seeing the comments on their posts that you're just like holy hell what is wrong with our fan base you know like best example right now the suns the phoenix suns are my favorite franchise in the world they have been my entire life i've been a diehard Suns fan they're finally good again they're in second place in the nba in the western conference and there's still people online who will complain and whine and gripe about what monty is doing or what this play happened or devin booker's not this and chris paul can't do that it's like we just went through 10 years of garbage basketball and now we're the second best team in the league in the regular season. You guys are whining and crying about this. And that it falls right over into the Manchester United Twitter because it's like, again, before the season, if you would have said like, Hey, you guys are going to finish second in the league. I'm like, awesome. I'll take it. Totally. Like, sure. Do I want a trophy. Sure. But you're guaranteeing me top two, top three, top four. Yep. I'm in. Put me back in the champions league for next year. Um, and here we are like playing, you know, getting points all the time. And you can say what you want about how maybe they're playing or not up to their abilities or things you want to see better. Like 
But the end of the day, they're in second place on the table. They're, you know, 11 points essentially behind this team that has gone on an absolutely dominant run that very few teams have ever gone on before. And they're there sitting in second place. And yes, they're not going to catch City for the title. But my gosh, they have had a good year and they're getting points. And when you look back to where we were two years ago, even before Ole with Jose, or even go back before him with David Moyes, where they were fighting for sixth, fifth, fourth, even finishing seventh, like you take this season 10 times out of 10 when you're a Premier League club. And so it's like, I'm starting to see like, the things that you've talked about, Nate, like going back to our first season of like, yeah, like United fans, they're a lot to handle. And and it, it kind of reminds me a lot of uh, Yankee fans and Cowboy fans and things along those lines. Um, so it's just, it, it's kind of been like a little bit of a realization of what I'm kind of into now. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I still... I love watching this team play and it's fun and it's good to have the conversations with those people who are more realistic about your squad and, and what you think they could do better and how they can move forward, who are still encouraging and who are still positive and, and just stay out of that seventh gate of hell. <laughs> totally. Well, what about your other favorite team, Chris? Fulham. <laughs> Well, we got to be a little careful throwing that <clears throat> other favorite team. I never said they're my other favorite team. I they're, know, I know. Just my favorite prediction. I um, know. And that favorite prediction is falling apart week by week. Uh, it looks so promising so recently. Uh, Fulham struggled yesterday against Aston Villa. They lost 3-1. Um, I have to pull up their schedule, but I think they've lost like four in a row now or somewhere in that neighborhood yeah they've um, lost four or five in the last three they've lost so uh a tough run after what seemed like a super fun promising run where they you know they beat liverpool at anfield and they were taking points against sheffield and crystal palace to dropping these games um well and the bigger thing too is that newcastle got a draw um so yeah. they gained a point and fulham's a, a game has a game ahead of, you know, Newcastle has a game in hand. Yep. Three points ahead with a game in hand now. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that Newcastle draw, you know, they scored late to draw and they were down the majority of the game. Um, you know, they got that goal in the 85th minute to, to tie it, to tie it with uh, Spurs. So, you know, you, you got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, Newcastle's been fighting and I've, you know, they've been the butt of a lot of my jokes and my uh, Fulham is staying up and Newcastle's going away. And it just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but um, you know, I'll still hold out hope because that was my prediction. Yep. I, I, there's obviously still a chance, but the later we get the, the less like, I mean, Fulham only has seven matches left. So yeah. Time's running out. Yeah. Um, since, since we kind of crapped on one of my predictions just now, can can we give a little bit of praise to one of my non on the record on the podcast predictions of, um, I believe it was in December, we had a text exchange and I said that Manchester city was going to get 
to 98 points and you responded that they would never get to 98 points. And if we do the math with nine games left, that's 27 points available for them. No, 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 no. Your math's wrong already. What do you mean? Seven games left, 38 matches. Oh man. So let's keep, no, keep now keep doing the math. Now keep doing the math. All right. So there's 21 points available, which would get them to 95. (laughs) So they will never, they will never get to 98 points, Chris. So now we've just crapped on both of your predictions. The Fulham one, I'm not crapping on. I'm maybe pissing on it. I'm maybe pissing on it a little bit, but I like the Fulham prediction. I, I want that prediction to happen. Newcastle needs to be gone. (laughs) They need to be gone. So can we send a, a message to the editor to edit this out? <laughs> no, the editor is going to leave that right in there. Oh, man, that's a shame. That's <laughs> <great>. <laughs> but we can move on if that makes you feel better. All right, let's move on. Let's get to Kyle. I love Kyle. I want to hear. Yeah, let's let Kyle talk a little bit. Let's do it, boys. So this week I was checking in on Everton versus Crystal Palace. And I'm going to cut right to the chase. This was a sloppy game, in my opinion. Um, There was a sequence in about the sixth minute that I think summed up most of the game, which was Crystal Palace had possession on the Everton side of the pitch. So basically all, what what would it be? Uh, 20 guys out of 21 guys out of 22 were on that side of the pitch um, and Crystal Palace played the ball there, had you know, control of the ball, played it back to the defender just to kind of keep possession of it. A slowly kicked ball that he decided to, for some reason, he kind of just froze and the ball just went right through his legs. So that led to an Everton three on one fast break and they mismanaged that fast break so badly they didn't even get a shot on goal. Um, that was so. That was that, such a bizarre sequence right there. Because Richard, I think Richarlison had the ball and should have shot, and then he decided to yeah. pass right, passed it, passed it behind his guy who tried to pass it back to him, and they ended up not even getting a shot on goal out of this three-on-one fast break that started by the ball going through a crystal palace defenders legs. So sloppy game. Um, and, you know, somewhere around the, the 55th or 56th minute, Jaime Rodriguez scored a goal for Everton crystal palace did fight back to tie it up in the 85th minute. Um, but, you know, not a lot to report, honestly, from this game. What, what really I think is, the takeaway is about halfway through the match. I decided that eight teams is too much at this point. Mm. And it's about time that we eliminate some clubs from the top eight. I love it. And I knew, I knew that this match was going to have at least one casualty, at least one casualty. And so it was really a, to Ezzy yeah. to save the day for Crystal Palace or 
you know, a combination of Jaime Rodriguez and, and he scored, but he didn't play that well. And so there, there wasn't a lot to choose from. I had one moment where I was about ready to let out an Ezzy and it just didn't come to fruition. Yeah. He and, had a great little play. I think it was in the yeah. early in the second half, right. Where he kept, kind of yep. crossed into the box, but I think he shot it into a defender's leg or I remember seeing that too. I thought about you. Yep. Yeah. He, he had this spurt where it was like, Oh, oh it's coming and just couldn't convert. And he was one of the guys that originally caught my eye as I was going through the entire league. And I still, to this, you know, I still love the guy. I think he's exciting. He's different. He just seems to, whenever he does get an opportunity, play at a different speed almost. But sadly for Crystal Palace, he's just not either involved enough. Maybe he's not good enough. I don't know. But as much as I love him, he is not enough of a presence on that club to, to over, you know, outdo their other deficiencies. So Crystal Palace mm. is the first one eliminated from the top eight. Dang. I was not expecting eliminations today. Neither was I, but you, they just sometimes hit you. And guess what, Nate? We're not done. I know. We got done. one we more. Got one more. Everton does get to live to see another day. Is that for Everton? For Everton lives on. Who's it going to be then? We got six clubs. One of them is going to be eliminated right now on the podcast. I'm going to tell you a quick story though. Yes. I, <laughs> I live in a place called Winter Park, Florida. And we said, by the way, let me just interject. You live in Winter Park, Florida. We live in Phoenix, Arizona. We like, we might as well move to Sun City and just be like retired. Yes. Old people <laughs> running this podcast. So you sounds like, you know, a little bit about Winter Park, Florida. It's, it's a place in Orlando that basically a bunch of people decided to move here like 60 years ago and just never left. And, and they don't go anywhere. My entire street is I I'm the youngest person my family I mean I'm the oldest in my family and I'm the youngest person on our street by 50 plus years wait Every don't you have the WWE my... guy or something don't you have that hey, guy? he's caddy corner so I live oh, okay. next to, yeah I do live next to Rick Boogs WWE that's we'll get him on the podcast he can he can be our guest picker next season <laughs> that'd be so. amazing yeah, so Rick Boog's about to break out. He actually just won the 24-7 WWE Championship for about 30 seconds and then lost it. <laughs> but he's on the rise, Rick Boog's. Uh, so he's catty corner for me. But the rest of the people on my street are all 80-plus. And everyone in Winter Park literally does not leave Winter Park. They all go to the same places, the same beach, the same mall, the same restaurants and you, you know, you just ask somebody, what do you do or who do you know? And they know everyone. And it drives me crazy because there is this side of me that does, that likes to be a contrarian. And I don't like to do the same things or to think the same things as other people. And so if everybody's doing something and especially if I'm the last one to get there, I hate it. 
I won't, I won't jump on the bandwagon. I'll do anything I can to, to do the opposite of that thing. And so by no fault of their own, other than the fact that everyone else is on the bandwagon, I, I just can't in good conscience pick Leicester City. So wow. they are eliminated. Wow. I they were they were my dark horse for you. Um they were my dark horse for you uh early on. I thought there's I still have another prediction that's holding firm, but but that I team I thought I thought they were gonna maybe be it. There's a lot to like. I fully admit that. But I also just could not live with myself if I was the one millionth person, one millionth American to pick Leicester City. So I'm sorry, Leicester City. You are doing great. You're in third place. You're a, a true Cinderella story, but you're not going to be my team. Mm. So as a recap, we have Manchester United, Chelsea, Leeds United, Everton for Everton, or at least for a little while, Tim. <laughs> Arsenal and Wolves. Correct. That's who we have left. So um, we're excited. We are going to, I think next week, right, Kyle? Next week, you're going to drop two more teams? Yes. This was only the beginning. And so this week, I'm actually not going to focus on one match because I really need to do my homework on these six clubs and make sure that this elimination is being taken seriously because two more clubs will be on the cutting room floor as of next week. And that's going to leave us with four clubs with about five or six weeks to go. And we are going to do our best to get some true fans um, to, to come on the pod and, and represent their team. And so we're going to, we're going to spend the, the later half of this season or the late later last few episodes of this season, spending more time on those final clubs to really give Kyle the opportunity to, to make the best choice possible. Looking forward to now, it. Kyle, I mean, let, me ask, let me ask you this, Kyle. Is there still a possibility at a fifth option where you say, I did not enjoy this EPL league. I'm not taking a team. You can take this ball and shove up your ass. You I'm out of here. Is there a possibility that that happens? Well, yeah, you kind of ruined the moment. I was planning on just playing, you know, don't, you know, God bless Texas. Don't mess with the USA and just, popping open a Coors Light and saying, I'm out of here, America. My ball needs two points on the end. That's That's football. Yeah. No, I've enjoyed it. No, I've enjoyed the season. I'm excited to pick the club. And I'm still trying to get, you know, that, 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 um, like that bleeding heart that you guys have for Wolves or for, Manchester United um I but I think that just comes with time and so I'm just looking for the right club to invest in love it love it I don't know if you guys caught this but I I saw a lot of teams wearing their their third third kits out there 
And the one that kind of kicked this off in my mind, I just kind of wanted to visit kits real quick. The one that stood out to me was Sheffield United. They were wearing that like dark green and gold kit. And I just haven't seen them play much, but it looked so great out on the pitch. It was, it was so nice. And then I was watching the city match and I'm like, is city wearing white kits? Like what in the heck? And I'm like, no, those are the Paisley ones. Those are the horrible, horrible Paisley ones, which actually on the pitch don't look that bad, but you're not going to wear it around town. Probably. Um, Tottenham is wearing their yellows, which I thought actually looked pretty, pretty slick. And then Liverpool was wearing their like teal, teal green ones. Um, but, but the Sheffield United ones were the ones that started and we're starting to get some kits leaked as we alluded to earlier with that Chelsea kit dropping earlier this week. Um, Kyle, is there any possibility that leaked kits or you know one as kits get released that that would influence your your choice oh absolutely absolutely yeah i'm you know kits and looking good on the pitch or the opposite of that um are still a key criteria and so you know i think all the teams left have really strong kits in my opinion let me just double check this to make sure but yeah, I mean, I, I like all the kits that are that are currently left on the table. And if someone were to do something that would maybe enhance, but probably more likely take away from that, mm. Mm, that could be that could be a decision maker right there. Well, Manchester United has a new sponsor next year. Wolves have a new kit production company, one that I don't, th- I think mm-hmm. Newcastle is also switching to, um, but other than that, there's no other premier league teams. What's that, Chris? That's a good sign. Yeah. Well, they, 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 they're doing the Rangers kits this year from the Scottish, the Scottish premier league. So, um, they're, they're a total unknown factor though. I don't, it's hard to know what we'll get there. Um, so it'll be interesting. Wolves have typically dropped their kits really late in the season, but I wonder if with this new manufacturer, if they'll uh, drop something earlier. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's one of my favorite things about premier league is these, all these change of kits and the excitement around kit release. Yeah. Now this could be a totally stupid question, but not being a fan for that long, do they do like new style kits every single season or will they be like a run of a couple years and then change it up a couple years? Too much money in it. They change it every year. You got to wonder when is that going to hit American sports? I think it has the NBA. Yeah. With all the city, like the city. Well, doing, like, the mm-hmm. city things, but you don't see like a year, I guess maybe you do like the NFL does the salute to service and they change that every year. Yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. But like, I feel it's almost like a complete redesign every year. And you, you don't see that. You just see like minor modification. You see the alternative uniforms, right? Like the color rush, the color rush. or, you know, the city series for NBA has been so sweet. I, for the most part, I like what yeah, it's fun doing. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Um, 
moving on again, term concept of the week that's shifted around a little bit. This is just something I noticed in today's match that I think's an interesting idea is the idea of who gets to take the free kick or the penalty kick and the way guys kind of fight over it. I think some teams it's like more clear um, for wolves right now. Neves is kind of the default guy to take free kicks and actually, Chris, I th- you you texted me about the the free kick Wolves did where Neves stood over it, but actually passed it short. Oh. Um, it was such a good design play, but um, Neto just yeah, hit sailed. it too hard, yeah, sailed it over the top. My gosh, what a great play! I I'm a sucker for play design, uh, and I just thought that was great. Yeah, but some teams like Everton, they have a handful of guys who, who can take the free kick. And so Rich, Rich Arlison got fouled just outside of the box and this like kind of funny, amazing little interplay took between him and uh, the, I think Sigurdsson and I don't, maybe, maybe James Rodriguez. I don't remember who it was, but they all just kind of stood there. Everyone wanted to take it. And Richardson like wouldn't make eye contact with them. He was kind of holding, he was holding the ball. He wouldn't like leave the ball. Um, he just kind of stood over it. And so it's, I don't know. I, there's kind of nothing like that in American sports. You know, sometimes you'll get a pitcher who doesn't want to leave the game, but the ma- manager pulls him and you can tell he's kind of mad about that. But, but there's not really anything in American sports. Our positions are so defined, um, that, you know, maybe, maybe you might have it in a basket, in a basketball, you know, if there's yeah. like final shot yeah. needs to be or taken. a technical free throw potentially it would be like, yeah, it just doesn't have the stakes. It doesn't have the stakes. Be- the closest is probably like final shot in an NBA game, right. Where they're, they've yeah. designed a play and it's like clearly going to go to Lillard or something, unless he's guarded or they're running like a fake, you know, but, and set up McCollum for a three or something, but um, for the most part, it's kind of a unique thing that guys can kind of jostle around and it's not like the captain takes it automatically or you put your best guy in there. So it just kind of st- stuck out to me today. And I thought it was worth, worth kind of talking about. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, because it doesn't seem like the manager has like much of a say real time in it. Right. They're not looking over like, hey, who should we who should take the kick? They're they're kind of deciding it in a kangaroo court on the pitch. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny that that doesn't lead to more chemistry issues. Well, I was wondering, too, because Richarlison put a great strike on the ball, but he <clears throat> he it just didn't dip quite enough. And it kind of sailed around the upper right corner. And I just wonder if like. You know, as he's running back, if. James Rodriguez, like, is like, told you you should have let me have it. You know, you just wonder, like, what type of banter <laughs> sure. you're saying. Like, I'm sure they talk shit like that to each other. So, um, assist of the week. We already mentioned John Stone's pass to Pereira. Um, Alexander Arnold had a cross to Diogo Jota that was just <clears throat> remarkable. I mean, Alexander Arnold's remarkable anyways, but he was on the far, almost on the touchline, 
pretty far away and just put this sparkling cross in and Jota, Jota headed, headed it in. It was a great, great one. Do you guys notice any that, that stood out to you? Um, the assist on that Kellen Robinson when I was talking about earlier, and I'm totally blanking on who, who crossed that in. Oh, that yeah. Was really too. That was good. Yeah, that was it. Some of those crosses, I think we, we as American fans or as neophytes, probably more than anything, it's hard to appreciate like the accuracy. I was thinking about that actually today with, um, uh, Traore. I was like, man, I, if I were, if I were Traore, I would spend all season just running at full speed with a stationary soccer ball at the end of it and seeing if I can cross it because he has so much power. He can't control his crosses. Like he should just spend all off season, like running down the pitch (laughs) at full speed and trying to kick a soccer ball with some accuracy, put some buckets out there and have them kick them into the buckets because too many times he just runs past a guy and then kicks the ball out of bounds or kicks it over all the players in the box he nailed it today because his his run today I, his assist was unreal it was such a great goal i mean what a great 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 run by him today ironically yeah ironically yeah. enough this was before the match that i was thinking this but ironically enough he did have a great cross and and yeah. played really really controlled today i thought it was solid solid yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, here's the thing. I, this falls under hair watch, but it brought up something that I thought was worth just kind of discussing. We know that soccer or football, I don't know if it's this way in the States, but for sure in Europe and for sure in, in England, soccer just has a really racist history. Um, I think it was in, in, one of the champions league matches this over the, over the break, there was a Czech player who supposedly whispered um, a derogatory term at a, in a player's ear. Um, but, but so there's that overt stuff that happens on the pitch. There's the overt stuff that happens uh, from fans. There's the overt stuff that we see in Twitter, but I saw something today. So Aubameyang has this like braided new, new hairstyle. Uh, there's, there's a great video. I'll post it in the show notes of Lacazette just clowning on him, calling him Travis Scott and kind of making fun of him for his hair. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a new look for Aubameyang for sure. So Lacazette's kind of busting his chops in the, in the locker room, but but here's the comment that stuck out to me. I'm just curious what your guys' take is, but the comment that stood out to me was that someone, because it was all centered around his hairstyle, the comments a couple people posted, or at least one person posted and then multiple people agreed with him was he's not a serious footballer. He's not a serious footballer. Like somehow the, the hairstyle that someone chooses uh, makes them less, less of a footballer. Do you guys, 
is it just me or do you hear kind of the the subtle racism in that yeah um I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough subject, right? Like, of course, um, to to be talking about racism and what that implies. Like, you have to make judgmental decisions that I hate making, especially um, as three white guys, right? So let's just call let's let's call that out for what it is. But right, and so I guess you know when I look at that and I and I think about racism, <clears throat> I go, if Christian Pulisic wore that hairdo would they say the same thing about him as they did about obama yang walking out with it right because that's where that's where true racism can be defined is if you wouldn't say it about a different class of person than you would about this class then that's where racism comes to play and is racist um i think that there's like it feels almost like it kind of goes back into what i was talking about earlier about you know, the depths of hell that Manchester United Twitter can be, um, you know, it, it feels almost like UK sports are like 20 years behind American sports th- with the fact that they're dealing with this now. And I felt like we kind of dealt with that in our, you know, late teens, early twenties, where it was like, Oh, that guy's not a real football player. Look at him with those dreads. Right. And if you were a wide receiver wearing dreadlocks, you know, you didn't take it seriously. Or, you know, in the NBA, you had Alfred Payton, who had this, you know, in my opinion, a absolutely insane, ridiculous haircut. And then you come to find out that he refused to cut his hair after his mom died and that this was just kind of the style. So there's always kind of more to it. Um, and, and so it, for them to be kind of dealing with it now, it, and it feels like it's it's kind of super prevalent in soccer. And I read an article, it, it couldn't have been more than a couple of weeks ago too, where um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the head coach of, of Manchester United, was talking about a scouting trip he was on back when he was at, uh, and I am going to butcher this name, Moldy, I don't, M-O-L-D-E, it was his old Norwegian club that he coached at where he said, oh yeah, it was a quick trip. We got there, the player that we were going to scout walked out with a mohawk and I turned to my scout and I said, let's go. Um, and, and so, you know, this is something that's kind of prevalent in right now, or at least things that are coming out about maybe the way that scouting was, or maybe c- kind of continues is. Um, I, I don't know. I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to situations like this. And believe that there's no racist intent in there um but yourself out to have that person um that it could be and so it's not stuff you want to hear there's probably better ways that these commentators could be describing it and it's just you know when you look at the person that it was directed to those questions naturally come about yep kyle how about you Man, I've been, you know, listening to you guys talk and trying to put together some thoughts because it is obviously a, a very hard subject to speak about and to, to nuance correctly. I, I think, right, to me, a statement like saying he's not a serious football player because of his haircut is definitely a, a form of racism. To me, it's it's that type of racism that almost is you know you can get away with in public 
right and no one's going to question you too much and it's I think even oftentimes it just comes from a naive or ignorant place as opposed to a um, place of malice or ill intent. But I think the problem is, well, first of all, it's the problem because it's wrong and you're assuming things based on someone's appearance or preconceived stereotypes. And, you know, I think that we've done, I've seen a lot of examples recently where this generation has stepped up to say, you know, you can't say that. You can't say that because someone has two tattoos on a basketball court or on a soccer pitch that he's a thug or that, um, you know, like you just can't say those things that used to be culturally appropriate that would just stereotype based on appearance or, or what have you. Um, even if there's now, uh, I don't know, even if it's not, Oh, this is where it gets tough. But but I think the, the problem is, is when you see a sport, especially like soccer, that has so much deeper um, issues and so much more serious types of situations happen as well, then it's just even more where, you know, if this was an announcer or someone even just on Twitter saying this, it, it does have to be called out and say, where do you get that? What makes you, what makes you, what factual evidence do you have to believe that a hairstyle can make you a serious football player versus a not serious football player? And, that's and I think those are conversations better, we just need to have. And that's maybe the better like way to go about it or even to frame it is instead of me leading with, Hey, this is a racist statement, asking those questions like, Hey, why, why, or what makes you say that someone's not a serious football player because of their, their hairstyle. So, and then allowing them to explain themselves. Right. Yeah. And I think also like when I look at who that comment was directed at, I kind of smirk because right. All of us would take Obama Yang as a serious footballer who we would love on our respective clubs 10 out of 10 times. And thanks for saying that, because I do think that's part of the reason it like struck me as like, there's, there's something deeper happening in this statement because Aubameyang is a golden boot winner from last year. He scored, you know, in the twenties mm. of goals, the last few seasons, he's maybe having a down season this year, but he's still such a threat that it felt like there was something more going on with that statement. Yeah. It, it's similar to what you said, Nate, which is at the very end, and what I was trying to articulate was, I think what I've seen in my lifetime is those type of comments specifically, like he's not a serious football player, or I don't like tattoos on a basketball court, or there's not fundamental, they don't play fundamentally sound. And like those type of comments, I've often seen that they seemingly come from a place of, like I said, of ignorance or of a generational like preferences you know, especially when you have to talk about hair or something like that or tattoos, it sometimes can be generational. But I think the problem is, is what we've learned over the last, you know, 18 months, especially, is that oftentimes what starts out as a somewhat innocent seeming comment or a surface type comment has much deeper roots. Yeah. And I think we've seen that 
play out over the last 18 months as being exposed as a problem that maybe people like us, three white guys, weren't aware of as much previously, or just manifest itself in ways that we didn't even think was possible. And so I think that's the biggest problem, even with comments like, hey, he's not a serious football player because I don't like his hair. Yeah, you get it with black black quarterbacks and white wide receivers, right, in the NFL. That's where you see those comments made mm-hmm. as well, where, oh, he's not, he's not a very smart – he's not a smart quarterback. Yeah, Correct. I think for me, ultimately, like what you're saying, Kyle, is like it almost comes down to how does Obama Yang interpret something like that said about him, right? Like, because – who am I to tell the oppressed that they're not being oppressed? And I think that I kind of come back to that a lot. Like when I, I guess it's kind of framed with some of my conversations I've had with a lot of friends lately of them disagreeing with certain things. And, and it, for me, it comes back to like, well, who are you to tell them that they're not being oppressed? Like, yeah. Or, or that's just an innocent comment. He didn't mean anything by it. And they're like, Oh really? Well tell like, I think he did because here's a bunch of examples of people who made seemingly innocent comments and they, they did mean something by it, you know? So. Yeah. The major the majority voice, I think we have to be careful in like excusing other majority voices without listening to the minority voice and trying to understand. Right. Cause my guess is Obama Yang's like, whatever, I've heard a lot worse, <laughs> you know, like that kind of statement maybe rolls off his back, but it's a probably a lifetime of comments like that. Yeah. yeah they didn't take being a black soccer player in the United Kingdom. <laughs> you uh, let's be honest. He's been, he's heard a lot worse for sure in his career because, you know, racism is so prevalent in this sport in that country. Yeah. Well, thanks for entertaining my, my social, my social science rant for a few minutes. Um, let's move on to lock it in review. Um, Chris is pulling away. Chris had Manchester United over Brighton. He moves to 18 and 11. I took Spurs over Newcastle, which was a draw that dropped me to 17 and 13. And Kyle took Everton over Crystal Palace, which was also a draw which dropped him to 15 and 15. Kyle, who are you taking uh, for this upcoming weekend? So I'm going to take Chelsea over Crystal Palace, the newly eliminated Crystal Palace. Ooh. Now we're going to rub dirt into their wound. Is this game going to play into your psyche at all? Like what if Crystal Palace just spanks Chelsea this weekend? Well, then Chelsea better look out. <laughs> <laughs> better watch your back, Chelsea. Chris. Yeah, I, uh, it, I, for the first time in the history of this podcast, I have a lead in our lock it in. Uh, even going back to season two, I was thousands and thousands of dollars behind you, Nate, in the running. That's so, right in the pole position feels very strange, but I want to stay there. And because I want to stay there, I'm riding the city bus like I did to get to the top. So I'm taking Manchester city over Leeds United this weekend. Nice. I like it. That's a good pick. I 
think Liverpool has figured it out in the international break. So I am taking Liverpool over Villa. This upcoming week weekend has some, it's kind of an interesting match week. There's, there's really kind of, to me, only one match that's a clear match of the week to watch. Um, and that is the Manchester United Spurs match. Um, number two versus number six. Um, plus you just have, you have Jose going against his old club. And so that's, that should be, that should be good. Yeah. And add in the fact that it's a Manchester United road game and their road streak is on the line. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, I think this game means more to Spurs than it does United. I think I was looking at the table today and I feel, I feel like United is probably locked into the top four. I don't think there's, I mean, it would be a massive, massive collapse for them to drop out of four. Yeah. Drop two, four. Um, But even with Chelsea sitting nine points behind them in fifth, they would have to drop a lot of their last eight matches. So I feel pretty confident in the top four as a fan. Um, And, you know, obviously Spurs need to get shooting for fifth, fourth, you know, you, if you want to get into Europa, you got to get up there and um, means this game probably means more to Spurs than does United. Yep. I agree. I mean, you've got uh, obviously Liverpool is right on their heels uh, with only goal differential separating for them. But then you've got Everton and Aston Villa, who both have a game in hand. Everton's within striking distance, but if Villa were to win their their game in hand, they're only a couple points back as Spurs. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Spurs have a lot more to lose in this match. So, And that being said, I still expect a United victory. There you go. United on the road rubbing earlier in the year. So I hope they show up and show out. That's right. Kyle, you're going to be deep diving on all six teams, right? Yes, sir. And going over my notes with a fine tooth comb, making sure that they are all up to snuff. And like I said, you lose, you go out and lose to a crystal palace. You go out and lose to Fulham. You know, you go out and get embarrassed or show can't me my, some... Can't see my face, but I'm definitely giving the, the all-teeth-wide eek <laughs> face to that Fulham comment. <laughs> Looking at you, Wolves. Yeah. Or you show me some kits that just stank, <laughs> you you could be on the cutting block. So we got a big week coming up for about six clubs. And, uh, you know, also a big week, Leeds is still alive in that final six for you, and they play City, which I will be disappointed if there's less than eight goals in that match. (laughs) I don't care who scores them. I'm just saying, if there's not at least eight combined goals in that match, I will be sad. Hey, we've made it this far, and it just shows how short my memory is uh, in creating our show notes, but we will finish by just talking about the fact that Serge, Serge Aguero is leaving city at the end of this season. One of the most iconic uh, players for city. I think he's played for them for a decade. 
we've only been following Premier League for three years, so we've kind of seen the tail end of his brilliance. Um, we weren't watching Premier League when he had the the season winning goal, last ditch goal, which I think we've all seen the highlights of. Um, but yeah, Aguero leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, that's funny. If you had no idea who Sergio Aguero was and you're on Twitter and just saw some of the posts, you would have thought he died this week. Like you would you would have think he's dead for sure. <laughs> totally. Uh, so yeah, very I do you, do you have any idea? Does that happen very frequently where clubs will just uh, announce like we're not gonna re-sign this player? We love him. Thank you for your service, but this is our last couple of weeks with him. Yeah, I think I, you do see that. And I think particular, particularly with more iconic players, right? Like he's deserved that he's owed that like kind of send off. I think the fans deserve that. Um, and so, yeah, to have that kind of swan song, but it, again, this is another unique aspect of, of football where, if you're playing a major sport in the U S there's nowhere else to go once you're done. So you retire. So then you might have like a situation where Derek Jeter, you know, has announced his retirement and he gets this kind of swan song around all the teams <laughs> he plays and all that. But, um, but you don't get it where the player is probably going to keep playing. He may go to another country, which I think sounds like uh, Aguero probably will, but Phoenix yeah, it's rising. Uh, Phoenix rising. Hey, oh my thunder. I was going to close with some breaking news on the Phoenix rising. <laughs> <laughs> they built their stadium so far away though. I'm never going to those games now. I'm so mad. Isn't that at like wild horse pass? I don't know. It's like Kyle's former neck of the woods. Kyle's like, Hey, that's like where that's like right down the street from my mom's house. It was so close. The Maricopa rising. The Maricopa rising. Totally. <laughs> Dude, fans, fans from around the world love like really specific localized jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh more Mary, more Pinal County jokes, please. More <laughs> jeez. All right. With that, gentlemen, I think it's time we say goodnight. Lasers out, boys. Peace.